welcome to DevCast, brought to you by Devril Smith, the right people. DevCast is where property meets people, industry figures, news and views, what it takes to be your best. So sit back, earphones on, and enjoy this edition of DevCast. Okay, and welcome to DevCast, uh, an audio series presented by Devril Smith. My name is Andrew Devril Smith. I'm the CEO and founder of of our business. I'm delighted today to be joined by Paul Massey, CEO of B6 Real Estate Advisors. Uh, For 26 years, Paul was at the helm of Massey Knackle building a business which became unquestionably uh, New York's number one real estate investment brokerage, Um, uh, leading up to its sale to Cushman and Wakefield for, for a pretty huge number. Uh, during those years, Paul was credited with developing some of New York's top real estate brokers, um, and Massey Knackle DNA spreads throughout much of New York's uh, investment brokerage landscape today. After leaving Cushman uh, and a brief foray into politics in New York, Paul set up B6 Real Estate Advisors in July 2018 uh, with the goal of becoming the number one mid-market investment sales and capital advisory brokerage in the States. So I'm delighted to be joined by you. Welcome, Paul. I'm um, thrilled to be here, Andrew. Thank you very much. And I'm a, uh, I'm the president of the Deverall Fan Club, so <laughs> I'm particularly glad to be here. Yeah, well, you're wearing the cap, and I appreciate it. So thanks, <laughs> thank you for for saying those kind words. But before we talk real estate business, I want to talk about life. I think that shapes who we are, and I know you agree. So tell me, what was your story before real estate? Yeah, well, I'm. Uh, I'm in New York City by accident. I, uh, I went to college in upstate New York and was involved with my fraternity. Um, and there was an alum who was supposed to come by and make sure we weren't burning the house down once in a while. And he was, it turns out that he was a national accounts officer at CBRE. And he plucked me out of obscurity and offered me a summer job at CB, which I love, in my hometown of Boston. And um, when I... Got done with school, I ran running back to um, the boss of the Boston office, and he said, you know, I've got a full office, I have maybe one opening, and I've got a Xerox copier salesman and an IBM computer salesman, and I'm not rolling the dice on college kid. And I was crushed, so I went back to my alumni friend, and he said, well, that's the bad news about Boston. But the good news is we just opened up in New York City, and they'll take anybody there. So being so qualified, my, my, my entire game plan was go to New York City for six months, nine months, and get enough experience to go back to Boston and get the job that I wanted. And CB was fantastic. New York was even more fantastic. And uh, that, that thought of leaving New York just drifted away from me very quickly. I can I can well understand that. But tell me about growing up, your formative years, you know, those college years and, and teenage years. What did you do as a kid, which looking back now with, with you know, 30 years worth of career under your belt, what, what were the things that you did as a teenager and, and student that you think might have really given you an advantage today? That, can you think of anything? Yeah, I was, uh, I was uh, probably... Uh, 
a reasonably capable student who was extremely easily distracted. So I remember a story one uh, day, my mom got a phone call from my sixth grade teacher, so 12 years old, uh, summoning her to school where she told my mom that uh, I could do the work, I could be a top student, but I could also get involved with probably the wrong kids just as easily. But she said that there was one school that she should consider. Um, and she told my mother, she knew we, we had no money, but she said, you know, if he can get into this school, you need to find the money. And it turned out to be a, a great old Latin school celebrating its 375th anniversary. I mean, I know that's that's young by English <laughs> standards, but... That's, a, that's it, an old school. It, uh, it was a fantastic place, and I did get in, and I did go, and it really taught me how to learn, got me, you know, it was a very small school, so everyone had to do everything, so I got involved in a lot of different things, lots of sports, right. um, music, glee club, um, just really uh, was formative for me, and, and at that time, Boston was, um, I think it's safe to say, the city of brotherly hate. There was um, a, a huge busing issue um, there were racial issues. There were um, the, the, it was a city in, in, in strife. Right. And the great thing about Roxbury Latin was that it had a very big endowment, and its purpose was to bring kids from all over the city together, um, need blind. So I was thrown into a diversity melting pot, which was very different than the town I grew up in. It was at the time kind of a one-way street. So. That learning to, you know, understand that everyone has biases, but I probably have fewer than most having had that experience was a, uh, a game changer for me. And, and also uh, very instrumental in help having me be prepared for the melting pot that is New York City. Right. And I can see that reflected in B6, which we'll come on to talk to in a minute. But I, having had the privilege to work with you over the, the past few months, I can see B6 definitely reflects the city that is New York, which is you know, 75 fantastic neighborhoods and everyone from all parts of the world. And it's it's one of the great things about New York. Okay, so look, we're saying it already, B6. I, first, explain the name, because I'm not sure everybody out there knows how you came up with it. And B6 is a, a tagline from our old uh, approach to business, which is, it means building by building, block by block. So we took a very micro urban strategy in terms of um, doing what we do, which is representing people selling buildings. About 40% of what, uh, what we sell are multifamily apartment buildings, 40% office retail, 20% funky New York institutional stuff, hospital buildings, school buildings. So we have a diverse practice in terms of selling property. Um, and um, we also, uh, we have, we're unique in that we only represent sellers, which is a wonderful conflict avoiding, conflict free approach to business that our clients love. Many firms, many real estate brokerage firms try and be all things to all people and represent sellers and buyers all at the same time. And it's a mess. It doesn't make sense in the, the modern world to us. Yeah, and I see that around the world, in, in both Asia and Europe, I see the best brokers being very focused on their clients and, and not muddying the waters, trying to be all things to all men. 
But what would be your message to the brokers of New York today that are doing off-market stuff and bio-rep stuff? Why, you know, why should they consider closing down those two channels? Um, they see it as a, a loss of income, I think, potentially. What, what's your view? You know, first of all, I respect different approaches to business, and there is no absolute one right way. But I think that if they're coached appropriately, they can learn uh, to control the marketing. We're, I, I always viewed as uh, less of a brokering company, and that's not a bad thing, but um, more of a marketing company. And I think the clients really benefit from that. So my advice to them would be um, you can learn to operate um, at that higher level and you can control and help clients in a different way. And uh, we've, we've done that and helped especially younger people who are starting out um, forge the right path. And what's the what's the vision for B6? Because you did not need to do this. I, I you wouldn't say that, but I know that's the case. So, um, I guess two questions: one, why? Why are you doing it? What brought you back? And the second question is: what are you trying to build? What what, what is the vision for B6? You know, well, the takeaway: um, having sold our first business, um, I, I will admit I I, I missed it. Um, but what I missed was in large part, mentoring uh, people, coaching people. I think everyone out there really controls and makes their own career, but we had a hand in helping many, many great careers, and that's incredibly gratifying. I also knew that this uh, middle market focus that we had um, is fragmented, less competitive, extremely profitable for both the agent and the company, um, so it, it's a very appealing business to us. One of the new things is that we uh, are going to have significant focus on lending money, brokering debt, um, and, and commercial um, mortgage brokerage goes perfectly hand-in-hand with um, investment sales, makes everybody smarter, another service offering for the clients. Um, in New York City, the, there are 3,000 building sales a year. It's a relatively low velocity market because the tax climate is, is severe. So, uh, but, but it's much more uh, efficient for people to finance or refinance. So if you've got 3,000 sales in New York City every year, there are 16,000 debt transactions every year in New York City. It's about $130 billion of flow. So it's a very big business, and it seems there's there's one or there are one or two players in the market who have uh, admirable market share, but there are fourteen thousand of those sixteen thousand trades that are either not brokered by any kind of household name or a client just didn't shop their loan, and that that's an easy way for us to help folks um, get out in the out in the world. Um, so you met you, you referenced it's a great business to be in. It's a profitable business. What are the risks that you potentially see coming down the tubes? I've seen tech disruptors have a have a crack at the brokerage market in both the UK and the US. I haven't seen anybody sort of kill the old-fashioned ways, if I can describe them as that. Yeah. But but what are the risks that you see coming or or, or that exist today to the model? Well. There are probably a hundred variables about commercial property. So when you consider that there are that many 
moving parts, um, you're always going to require some human judgment. Um, so I don't think brokers are going anywhere soon. Um, on the other hand, uh, with our first business, we set it up to be in the way of any advance, any advances in technology, because I think that there will be a central commercial broker listing service at some point soon. There, there are multiple listing services that operate on the re, on the residential side, so there's going to be a much more transparent flow of investment property sales. And if we're a marketing company, that benefits our clients and that benefits us. One of the smart things we did with Massey Nackle was we had an army out there, boots on the ground, who would feed us information about cap rates and gross rent multipliers, which is a measuring stick for multifamily properties, and uh, land comps, development comps. And our troops fed that back to the mothership. And we took that, dissected it, and fed that to the marketplace, the entire marketplace, for free. Yeah. And what that did for us was that it uh, made us uh, one of the trusted authorities about a market we already had a significant market share in. So it became a double moat around our business. New technology now is going to let us put together reports about who's lending where, at what interest rates what loan-to-value ratios, what loan types, what product types, and we're going to be able to feed the market transparency. I think by us going into every sub-market in New York and producing reports about values, we kind of changed the world a little bit in terms of transparency and made people brave about going into now hot neighborhoods like Bushwick or Bed-Stuy or Flushing. Um, and we probably help people invest and be more aggressive in, in investing. So I think a little bit, you know, in, a, in a small way, we probably did change the world in, on the investment sales side. On the debt side, where, where there is very little transparency, that competitive information, that transparent information, which we couldn't produce only a few years ago uh, because uh, we now have new technology, that is going to make banks more competitive. And when banks are more competitive, money's cheaper. And when money's cheaper, the equity value of your property is going to go up. So we think that's our change the world strategy for um, the next few years. And uh, we're excited about it. Uh, as am I. <laughs> Very much so. And I can see it happening. Tell us about year one. What, what, what's you know, what's the story? What, what, what have you learned? What have been, the surprises been as well? I think that that's always interesting. A surprise is it's a very competitive market, which is uh, why we love engaging with your firm. Uh, we are um, we had a few recruits that were lured by, um, you know, big money to go other places. And we um, that, that we came to learn that that's just. That's just part of it. So you've got to be more competitive, offer more a, a more competitive advantage uh, for the salespeople that you want to bring into the into the firm. I think one of the great pleasant surprises about year one was uh, there are, aren't as many startups as you'd think with a senior management team who's seasoned that happen in any city. Um, but in New York, people were excited by the fact that we. Um, created a startup, uh, especially the clients who are looking for alternatives. So we've had 
very good luck securing business. Uh, we have 130 properties that we're marketing now. It's about a billion dollars of consideration and probably another half billion of debt um, placements that we're doing. So a billion and a half dollars. So we're having a, uh, a good time securing business and a good time engaging with new clients and old clients who are rooting for us and excited about a new entrant into the market. And when you see yourself as an organization five years from now, what's that? So you talk to me about strategy of the, of the business, debt and, and investment sales and markets and focus, but what's the big picture for B6? Well, in New York City, we want to have roughly 40 sales teams covering uh, a very big market. There are 200,000 buildings in New York, so it's a pretty massive market. Um, and we want to have side by side with them 40 debt teams taking a big chunk of that $130 billion of flow. Yeah. So that to us looks uh, like New York uh, built. And New York built, as we learned from our first business, is a very profitable company. So we, we have aspirations uh, once that once we build the ATM that is New York City, um, that we can fund other um, other geographic focuses, you know, thinking about Chicago, because this same fragmentation and uh, and profitability exists in the middle market in the top 10, we call them NFL cities in, in the U.S. And um, I think we'd be excited about trying to move into new markets. Um, but we've got, we've, got, we've got some wood to chop. Right. But is that my first scoop? Did I just hear Chicago is, uh, is, is in your yeah, sights? Yeah, we're, we're not talking about that officially yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, so it's not my first scoop. Ignore that. Fine. Um, I want to know, um, I wanna know uh, a little bit about your, your time in between uh, being in. Uh, running super successful brokerage businesses. Talk to me about that. You built this business. You loved it. 29 years. You sold it to a global player. Yeah. Then what? What happened? Well, we had a contract, which you, one typically does when you sell a services business uh, for three years. And um, first of all, Cushman and Wakefield acquired us. It was a very strategic move for us and for them. And um, they treated us like gold. Uh, what when we uh, when we merged in with them, but there was a there was a there was some politics going on in the background in New York City where uh, we had had 20 years of great leaders, um, Mayor Giuliani for eight years and Mayor Bloomberg for 12 years. So and that was 20 straight years of different mayors with different personalities, but strong leadership. And and and, and sadly we we hit a point. Uh, in the city where we, we, in my opinion, didn't have such strong leadership. So when the current mayor, the incumbent, was um, was up for re-election, I threw my hat in the ring um, about halfway through my three-year contract at Cushman, which was a fantastic experience. Um, I, I thought I was Mr. New York before I did this, but I learned the city in an even more meaningful way. I also met more fantastic people of all varieties um, on that quest and just had a very, very positive experience. To Cushman's credit, they supported that move. They modified my contract to allow me to do that. 
and I'm, I'm ever grateful because it was a fantastic experience and a really good use of, um, you know, that period of time. So I, I'm kind of keen to know if the, if um, if if history had turned out slightly differently and 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 you uh, you got the gig, what well, what what's the first thing that you would have done? There's so much good that you can do as a mayor of a major city. Uh, we have uh, a school system that needs. Uh, radical improvement. There are some fine schools in New York, but there are many that aren't. And we've got one million kids in the public school system. So that that's a that was a big takeaway. That there's a, a, an awful lot of work. And if you're a city with a good school system, it's a great feeder to your employment base, and it and it and it helps people who are struggling. And um, the the other thing that New York City faces is a, a housing shortage, a severe housing shortage. And if New York's unaffordable, it'll end up, you, you don't want it to end up a city like, you know, a barbell shape where it's only rich folks and, and poor folks. And that's not the kind of community that you want. You want a community where it's, it's, it's possible to live and, you know, be in the middle class. Uh, you want, it, you want um, a housing for everyone. So that requires a, an enlightened housing program, which the city doesn't have now, where um, you've got as of right zoning and um, you you want developers to be able to build um, in, in a way that's responsible yet efficient um, for all their part, their equity partners, for their banks. And we need housing desperately in New York. Do you see that coming? Uh, not right now. It's, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm the most rose-colored uh, guy about New York City and the biggest cheerleader for New York City. But right now, uh, we need some change. Um, well, being the being the Brit abroad, I don't know that I can add too much uh, flavor to, to that conversation. But, um, well, but, but I, I'm interested. What's your perspective on New York City? Uh, Dropping in and uh, building your business here. What 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 are the what, what what are the big takeaways that you uh, that you've experienced? Well, I, I back at you. The, no, I'm I'm the one who asked the questions, <laughs> but as you asked, um, I um, look. Firstly, it's an incredible city. I'm fortunate with my job that I get to travel a lot across um, the you know the major continents of Europe, uh, North America, and Asia. Uh, in my view, New York absolutely sits right at the top table uh, of any of any city in the world. Um, it's dense, uh, it's it's high energy and noisy and an intense environment, which um, I think is intoxicating. It's intoxicating, but at the same time, I think um, it has the ability to be sort of draining as well, probably depending on. Uh, how life's treating treating somebody at any point in time. Um, from a real estate perspective, I think you know again it's 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 as strong as anywhere. It, it feels this pretty similar to me to London and Hong Kong, where I spend uh, a fair amount of time. So the differences aren't that major. I think um, I, I think Europe is ahead from a design perspective in terms of in terms of buildings. Couldn't agree more. Uh, but I think you guys are ahead on so many other fronts, you know. So uh, look, it's been a pleasure to to launch my business here and meet great people like yourself. And uh, um, yeah, I love it. So that's your answer. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Can I ask another question? Please, <laughs> please. Um, so uh, talent, talent's my my world, right? 
Um, you're a service business, as am I. I think you'd agree that our companies are only as strong as the people sitting within them. What are you looking for? What, what do you look to identify in people um, whom you want to join B6? Yeah, our big focus is on recruiting salespeople. And one thing we've learned is that history tends to repeat itself with people. And history can go way back. Um, were you the president of your kindergarten class? Were you the captain of your little league baseball team? Were you the lead in the play? And um, so excellence and leadership bubbles out of people consistently through their life. So we look for those life patterns, typically less focused on their career um, accomplishments uh, because those can be uh, shorter term. But if you see constant achievement and constant excellence, you, uh, you're probably talking to the right person. We have a, an acronym for our company values, which is EPIC, Excellence, Passion, Integrity, and Collaboration. If you hold those words up to a candidate, you'll know whether you're talking to the right person or not. And so if I'm, if I'm out there in the, in, the, in the scene somewhere doing my thing, being an investment broker, uh, and I'm, I'm being successful, why would I consider um, joining joining B6? Well, ultimately, uh, nobody does anything great on their own. They require support. They require a team. The big takeaways are we have a platform where uh, everyone's focused on a geographic area, so they're not they're not competing with each other, which is a common issue that people deal with at commercial brokerage firms. They're all unified in wanting to help each other, and um, and and so they're and they've got debt brokers working side by side with them. So they've got offerings for their clients that are you know that are more than just you know sell or no sell. So I think that team approach where they're sharing information. And they're sharing fees too, which is all mapped out. So we have a, a complete system for how people send business back and forth. If somebody in our Brooklyn office finds business that's in Manhattan, there's a there's a smooth handoff that's all pre-negotiated and pre-regulated. So uh, it's fantastic if you can go to work and know that the competitors are out there, but they're not in here. And that you're not negotiating every day, all day internally, uh, which can be exhausting at some of the bigger firms. And um, so we're a very unique platform in that way. And um, I've got to say, without wanting to, um, you know, uh, compliment your, your 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 firm too overtly, it's you know I'm very privileged. I see a lot of leadership, and and I get to see the insides and working um, elements of all kinds of companies globally. And um, it is absolutely true. I've, I've met a, a good number of your brokers, and you know, collegiate is one of the words that springs to mind. And and, and for me, that's very rare and uh, very attractive. You know, the guys get on and they're transparent, and um, it's it's really great to see. And I think my experience, having done a bit of work for you over here, is that I think it's incredibly rare, as you say. Well. It's a choice, and you've got to make a definitive, concrete choice, and we wouldn't have it any other way. So um, just diving into another very direct question. What's the worst part of your job? I love my job. I, uh, that's, that's a really tough question. I would say um, 
God, you, you stumped me. I, uh, I've been, I've been that lucky guy for how many ever years? You know, uh, love my family, love my job. I think, uh, oh, I've got one. I hate paperwork, but um, I think anyone who's uh, enjoyed his work as much as I have, have found people to support me, and um, we've got extremely talented C-suite of uh, execs who uh, interestingly are great at everything that I don't like and <laughs> and uh, and um, love the things that I don't love to do. So this, we have a wonderful yin and yang. Um, changing the subject again, where do you see the market now and next year? Market now is lumpy for a bunch of different reasons. Uh, no external, you know, the economy is generally healthy, so I, I don't see a recession looming like people are occasionally talking about. But elements of our market have been challenged. Uh, one element that's challenged in New York City is there have been new rent regulations yep. uh, put on stabilized and rent control apartment buildings that effectively make it impossible to raise rent. They're also making it impossible for investment to rehab or fix up buildings. And the average age of the housing stock in New York is 80 years. So we, um, we have an expanding population and an effectively diminishing housing stock. So that is that hasn't been considered by our political leaders appropriately. And that is going to cost the city's tax base to erode. New York City has a $97 billion operating budget. 55% of that $97 billion comes directly from real estate property taxes. So if, if assessed values go down precipitously because of ill-advised legislation, we're going to be facing 5 to $10 billion of budget shortfalls that will be very painful. And uh, the fact that that wasn't considered is uh, there are going to be consequences. Um, also, in New York, you've got a, a significant retail market, and we all know we've been through a, a massive adjustment due to technology in uh, what retail looks like going forward. So there've been a, a, a significant um, diminution in retail rents, and we're adjusting to that. We're also looking at which tenants are going to be in the new market. So um, that that segment of the market has been in a pause mode for a while, and so. Those two things combined are significant. Um, on the other hand, the office, uh, commercial office market in New York City is extremely healthy. Um, even though we shoot Amazon away foolishly from New York, I think they'll be back soon. Uh, and big companies like Google are gobbling up more and more space. So I think um, it's a very healthy situation and that Last mile delivery on the industrial properties is 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 driving industrial prices uh, up significantly. So that element of our market's really healthy. Twenty twenty election year. What do you what's your what's your view of the the, the market conditions for B six? I think things get better in New York all around. I think retail stabilizes. I think uh, there'll be a belief that uh, on the rent regulation issues that they'll there'll be some adjustments that'll have to be made. So I'm, uh, I'm very upbeat about 2020. We have, uh, we just finished our, our annual budgeting session for the year. And, uh, I think we're going to be happy with the results. 
you're you're a broker. You know that's what you are first and foremost, correct? And every broker um, loves a deal. So over your thirty year career, give me a story. Give me a deal story. What's the one that's most memorable or that you're proudest of? What stands out? Uh, we help a lot of families uh, with transition. A lot of our clients are private clients and um, helping generations continue to own property and adjusting their portfolio is, is really rewarding. So some of our favorite clients have been in business for over a hundred years and they're transitioning and they change and we help them finance their properties, occasionally prune their portfolio, sell strategically. So um, those are the ones that are gratifying because it's really a people business. And um, one of the things that I personally love is that every year, um, we're meeting new people and it's obviously I mentioned already it's a very diverse city so some of our clients are people I might not have engaged with in my typical walk of life but you're as a commercial real estate broker you are entrusted with probably someone's most valuable asset or one of the most valuable assets so there's a trust relationship that builds so you make a great friend uh, for life every year or two in this business and that's uh, that's better than money I agree with you. Um, so sadly, I'm not a, a spring chicken starting out in the in in New York's real estate brokerage market. But if you were, you'd do very well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Would you hire me? <laughs> Don't answer that question. Um, but what would be the one piece of advice you'd give me if I was if I were you know 23, 24, 25 starting out? What what's the one piece of advice? I think find a team that's going to support you. I think our, our business requires a level of experience and a level of expertise. Any good sales position in any kind of industry does that. So I think if you're that that young, you know, hard charger, look for who's going to support you. Look for who's going to train you. Look for who is set up to support um, your growth and that company will be the right place for you. That's great advice. Um, uh, well, I know um, uh, Mrs. Massey, you're on a date tonight, right? So I'm conscious of time, and, and uh, but, but I certainly don't want to upset her. But before before we go, what we'd like to do is just ask some quick fire questions. Fire away. Okay, so um, uh, in one word, biggest thing to impact the New York real estate market in 2020? Interest rates. Um, Will you be running the New York Marathon again in 2020? Probably. And what time are you going to do? <laughs> 4.40. Okay. Um, Bowie or the Beatles? Bowie. Best restaurant in Manhattan? Lusardi's up on the east side. <laughs> You're just rattling these up. Um uh, a ca cars, American muscle or Italian stallion? Italian. <laughs> okay. And the final question, the final question before I let you go and uh, woo Mrs. Mrs. Massey all over again, but um, we ask everybody this. If you were to own one piece of real estate anywhere in the world, what would it be and why? My beach house up at Cape Cod. It's in the, the happy place. Brilliant. Well, um, Paul Massey, you've been so kind to me over a period of time. 
Um, I think you're an absolute legend in terms of what you do. And, and this has been really, really helpful. And I know that there are lots of people out there that would, would take a lot from our conversation. So I appreciate it. Thanks for everything you do for us. And uh, it was great to be here today. Cool. Brilliant. You can join the DS movement by visiting ds.devilsmith.com and you will receive the latest DevCast episode direct to your inbox.